We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romumu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romumu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Only one? But I have two. This one, Ishmael, is the only one to his mother, Hagar. And this one, Isaac, is the only one to his mother, Sarah. The one you love, God says. I love both of them, Abraham insists, his voice beginning to quaver, becoming more terrified at the moment. The truth of this most terrible command beginning to dawn on him. Isaac, God responds. Oh, hi. <laughs> Take Isaac and go to the land of Moriah and raise him up as an offering on one of the hills I will show you. According to the Torah, Abraham says nothing. But the name Isaac, we can imagine, resounds in his head. Take Isaac, my beloved younger son, the son of the promise? Sacrifice Isaac? How could that possibly his knees buckle, he reels, the ground underneath him shifts. The world he knew, the future, the promise he knew until that moment shattered. This past February, our beloved younger daughter, Shira, 16 years old, was discovered to have a tumor that grew from her nose and into her brain. My husband Larry and I were in shock, to say the least. How could this possibly happen to our beautiful teenage daughter? How could this possibly happen to our family? Why her? Why us? We staggered. We reeled. The ground underneath us shifted. Life would never be the same. We didn't want to know, and yet we knew. We wish desperately it wasn't true, that it wasn't our daughter, our beloved youngest daughter, our Shira, and yet it was. It was the beginning of an ordeal, a nightmare, a profoundly unwanted journey. Shira went through surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. Over the months of treatment, the five months of treatment at Sloan Kettering, I thought often of the stories we read on these two days. The story of a child near death and then saved at the last moment. At first, I was Hagar. Many of you heard Hagar's story yesterday. Hagar was a threat to Sarah. Hagar's son, Ishmael, Sarah felt, was threatening to her son, Isaac. So Sarah and Abraham banished Hagar from their home. Abraham gave Hagar only a flask of water and a bit of bread and sent them out into the wilderness. 
Yishmael began to die of thirst. Hagar distanced herself. She didn't want to see her own child suffer and die. She sets him under a bush and walks away. Back in early February, Shira began having terrible headaches and couldn't keep anything down. We took her to the emergency room three times and they diagnosed her with migraines three times. The third time we were admitted to Mount Sinai. It was a Thursday night. By Friday, she was laying in bed and writhing in pain. Unbelievably, the doctors were talking about discharging her the next morning. Suddenly, before my eyes, her eyes went vacant. Her body stiffened. I didn't know what was going on, and I ran out of her room screaming, in part for help and in part because I couldn't bear to see what was happening to my beloved daughter. Seeing someone have a seizure is absolutely terrifying, especially when it's one's child. A team of about five ICU doctors rushed into Shira's hospital room. As the seizures happened again and again, I told my husband I would not survive this. I could not survive seeing my child suffer like this and possibly die. Like Hagar, I did not want to see my child suffer up close. I did not want to believe that my child's life was endangered. Like Hagar, I did not want to know that the promise of my future, of my family's future, was imperiled. And then, I was Abraham. Not, of course, in that I believe that it was God who commanded me to offer up my beloved child, but rather that we were sent by some unseen dark force to take this, this unwanted journey. We had no choice but to go on this journey, to take care of and advocate for our daughter in the best way we could. This was a journey, in a sense, we were commanded to take. And I'll tell you what I mean by command. 20 years ago, when I was pregnant with my eldest child, we were taking birthing classes, my husband and I, in the Bradley Method. And I was convinced I'd be able to manage my pain. I remember my OB telling me that um, those women weren't screaming for nothing when I presented her with a five-page birth plan. There was one man in the class, the only second-time father, and when we were talking about birth plans, he said with a smile, the situation commands. I'll never forget that. The situation commands. Every moment of our lives, the situation commands. Not my five-page birth plan, not our hundred, you know, hundred-page detailed plan for our lives. Once in labor, of course, that five-page plan flew out the window like a child's flimsy paper airplane. Never did I move so fast from one ideology to another. <laughs> from being a proponent of natural childbirth to give me drugs.
It is the mysterious unfolding of life amongst us that commands. It is an unescapable, an inescapable command. Perhaps that is how we might read the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, as a command to go on unwanted, unwelcome journeys. And of course, there are so many. I imagine many of us, if not all of us, have been on some unwanted journey, whether it's loss of someone that you love, the illness of someone you love, your own illness, disappointment in life, abiding emptiness, depression, mental illness, I could go on and on. What's your unwanted journey? As we walk Shira through corridors and into rooms where they administered chemo or radiation, I thought of the Akedah. As we saw her being poisoned in order to save her life, I thought of the Akedah. As I saw her bound up by tubes and needles, I thought of the binding of Isaac. And as we walked her from Sloan Kettering's ninth floor where she received chemo, to the fourth floor, down an endless hallway where she can get radiation that very same day, I thought of Abraham putting the wood on Isaac's back and taking that long, long walk. How could we possibly lead her on this path? Trying to save her life, we took her on this terrible journey. Trying to unbind her, we bound her. To set her free from this terrible suffering. To answer the call, the command for life. For more life, we made her very sick. During these months, there was one phrase in the Akedah, in the Binding of Isaac, that we're about to read, that stayed with me. It says twice, in the most terse text in all of Torah, that the two of them walked together. Abraham and Isaac walked together. Abraham did not abandon his son, despite this ordeal, despite knowing or imagining the end point of that journey. That phrase became my mantra. No matter how terrible things got, no matter how much I did not want to know the terrible truth of my beloved daughter's experience of her suffering, I needed to take this walk with her, with my, with my daughter, to stay close to her, to never abandon her, to always advocate for her, to be available as much as humanly possible. That was my command day in and day out. Those became the words I went to sleep with and I woke up to. I became life's servant, dare I say God's servant, willingly doing the work of care I was commanded to do. I became the one who, as much as I could, said, Hineni, I stand before you. I stand before my daughter and I, stand, I stood before the command. The situation commands, indeed, again and again and again. Recently, I was happily in the ocean on the other side of this great ordeal. Um, after five months of chemotherapy, my daughter is getting strong and healthy again. Um, I was in the ocean with two friends, 
One of them was Rabbi Esther Azar, and she said, I'm mad at the ocean. I don't like the ocean. And, she, and I said, why? And she said, the waves keep coming. I can't stop them. <laughs> How often do we want to stop them? How often did I just want to bury my head in hours of mindless TV? How often did I not want to wake up and go back to Sloan Kettering? The question, I believe, for each of us in our unwanted journeys is, are we standing? Are we awake? Are we present? Are we ready for the journey? Can we say, Hineni, I am here, I am ready to hear the command? Are we responsive to the suffering of the other? Are we walking with them, staying close? This Aliyah is for all of you who are or have been on an unwanted journey, who need strength for that journey, who need strength to open up to the ones beside you who offer you support, who want to walk with you. I invite you up now.
باشه